Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Here in Psalms 23, as I'm doing this series of I Want My Soul Back, somebody tell your neighbor I'm getting my soul back. The Lord said something here years ago to me, and I, it, it really began to dawn on me that as we live in this life today, there are a lot of challenges that we go through, and most of those challenges are in our own soul. And David wrote this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've often felt like that to the degree that God is your shepherd, you won't want. You know, sometimes we feel like we're vulnerable, you know, but really the Lord spoke this to me this morning because I feel sometimes I'm so vulnerable, you know, sometimes I feel like, man, you know, uh, uh, if, if I do things God's way, I mean, I'm just, I'm just out there, you know, and anybody can say whatever they want to say, they can persecute me or whatever, but God spoke to this to, to my spirit this morning. He said, you know, when you're vulnerable to the world and you're in my hands, you're in the safest place you can ever be. Amen. Wow, think about that. You know, when you're holding that baby, that baby might think they're vulnerable, but when they're in mama's arms, nobody's getting to that baby. Amen? All right, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. And he restores, and there's an S after that, he restores my soul. You know, we can hear this message, I want my soul back. We can pray for God to heal our soul, and he can. But you know what? We're probably going to have to pray it again, maybe before the month's over or the week's over, or the day's over, or when church is over. <laughs> you know, other words, you know, we're, we're, you know uh, the enemy wants to attack that natural element of us called our soul. He wants us to feel bad about something. He doesn't want us to feel good about ourselves. He wants us, he wants to be condemning. He wants to discredit us. He wants to belittle us. And unfortunately, once in a while, he manifests through people. Tell your neighbor, not me. But, but once in a while, he does manifest through people. You know, and, and I, you know, in ministering and hearing, you know, uh, from some dear friends of mine who've lost loved ones, you know, they're very vulnerable when they lose loved ones. <clears throat> you know, but and sometimes when people are trying to comfort them, unfortunately, sometimes they say the wrong thing. You know, it's not because the person who is trying to comfort them wants to say the wrong thing, but it's the wrong thing to say to that person who's grieving at that particular time, you know. And so I often pray as much as I can, Lord, show me the right words to say, and sometimes just not saying anything, but being there and say, I love you, I'm here for you, if there's anything I can do for you, is the very best thing we can say during those times. You know, but that person's vulnerable, and so they're open to, to, to situations where, you know, you can be hurt or you can be disappointed, you know, in some things. But he says he restores my soul, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. This is the key for our soul being restored is that he leads us in paths of righteousness, or in other words, really getting hold of the revelation that we are the righteousness of God. The enemy would like to tell you that you're no good, that, you know, you've made too many mistakes, God can't use you, you know, but you know what? God said, all that's be behind you. I say it like this, don't drag yourself through the mud, drag yourself through the blood. You know, let the blood of Jesus redeem you. Let your mind be redeemed. Let your soul be redeemed. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Oh, I could teach on his name's sake, you know, all day long. I love the names of God. But in other words, he wants you to be redeemed so he can manifest who he is in your life. 
You know, the Bible says that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. He wants to manifest his healing power in your life. That's who he is. That's who he wants to do for his name's sake. This is what he wants to do. What blocks it? Our soul. Somebody say, I want my soul back. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Where is the enemy today? Is he in heaven? Is this when we get to heaven someday? Oh, man, praise God. It's going to be great. Well, you know what? God wants it to be great here on earth. That's why he taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's God's plan for you to experience heaven on earth. Well, what blocks that? Our soul, our mind, some of the things that we walk through, some of the things that we've heard, some of the things that we have allowed in. Somebody say, I want my soul back. I'm getting my soul back. And you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. God wants you to really have your eyes opened up to see how good he has been. You know, I don't know how it all works. You know, I know enough probably to be dangerous, but not enough to teach on it. But you know, air is made of something like 71% nitrogen, 23% you know, oxygen. I don't remember all the details, but anyway, you guys who are medical field, you know all that. But you know what? I mean, if it was not enough nitrogen and too much oxygen, we couldn't survive. How does that happen? This whole world, oxygen, has the same percentage, of, I mean, air has the same percentage of nox, uh, uh, nitrogen and oxygen and so that we can breathe. Where does that come from? Well, now, if you really understand the physics and how everything evolved, I don't believe that evolution stuff. I believe God just made it for me. Amen? He, he created the air that I can breathe. Amen? Very air that I breathe. My cup runs over. But a lot of times, because my soul's been damaged, I don't see how much my cup really is running over. But it's flowing. It's, the blessings of the Lord is, is, is working in my life. The favor of God, as we heard, is working in our lives. So surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of life. Is, that, is, is, is goodness and mercy judgment? Come on, somebody, help me. Is God's judgment following you? No, no it's not. Well, you never know. God might judge me. He's not going to judge the righteous. He's not going to judge them with bad things, that's for sure. You know, his judgment's not following you. What's following you? Goodness and mercy. Right. You know, it's, it's so wonderful that God's mercy is new every morning. And it's there in the evening time when we go to bed. You know, God's goodness and mercy. The Word of God tells us it's God's goodness that leads a man to repentance or leads a man to him. God wants you to experience his goodness. You know, this is the whole, whole theme of God from Genesis to Revelation. I'm a good God. I want to bless you. I'll take care of you. I'll meet all your needs. I'll make sure you're protected. I'll bless you. I'll meet all your needs. I'll make sure that you're protected. I'll take care of everything that you have. I want to be a God to you. That's what he wants to do, and he wants to do it exceedingly abundantly. You know, I, can you imagine the Garden of Eden? You know, you're walking through, you know, and there's this just absolutely gorgeous, no insect bites on it. I mean, no any exterior flaw to this beautiful fruit, and you just grab a hold of it, and you eat it, and you eat half of it, and you go, oh, I'm so full, and you throw it to the ground, and God goes, ah, 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 excuse me. Do you know there's other people in the world who would really appreciate that? 
God doesn't have a problem with you having too much that you can throw it away. Think about it. I'm not saying be frivolous about it. But what I am saying is that God doesn't have a problem with you having so much. You know, he cursed a tree that didn't have any fruit. He never cursed a tree that had so much fruit that some of it went to waste. Think about it. You know, but we're so limited. Well, you know, I don't want to waste it. It's good. You know, and, and you know, it, it's a mindset. I understand that. My wife will look at something and says, oh, man, the date has expired on it. And I said, give it to me. <laughs> well, it's not any good. Well, it may, it, the date may have expired, but it still might be good. I'll eat it. You know, it's just my mindset. You know, I have a hard time throwing things away. My wife said I was really frugal, but I said I wasn't buying it. Surely, goodness and mercy <laughs> shall follow me all of the days of my life. I want any mercy and goodness after that joke, aren't I? But anyway, <laughs> and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Somebody say, I want my soul back. Well, we've been teaching on getting our soul backs. And in order for us to understand to get our soul back, we have to understand how did God create us? Well, Genesis 1.26 said, God created you in his image. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you know, he created you in his image. And we know that we serve a triunial God or the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, you're a three-part man. First Thessalonians says this. It says that you're, you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body, okay? And your soul comprises mostly of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And why do we say that? Because in the Greek and in the Hebrew also, most of the time the word soul, mind, and will come from are the same word, or they are derived from the word called psychic. And this is where we get the word psychology from. And so our souls are mind, our will, and our emotions. You know, and this is where the enemy really plays havoc on us. That's why the Bible says that, you know, the mind is an enmity against God, or it's an enemy against God, because our reasoning can just stop what God wants to do. Think about Moses. My wife pointed this out to me the other day, you know, I never thought about it. But think about Moses. You know, he's, he's before the Dead Sea, you know, and, I mean, the Red Sea, and all the people are behind him, Pharaoh's pressing in, two mountainsides. It looks like an impossible situation. And the Lord says through Moses, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the enemy you see today, you'll see no more. For the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Wow, what a word from God. Moses gets this word. He's used of the Lord, prophetically speaks it. And then he says, now what? <laughs> what happened? His mind got in the way. God said, um, <clears throat> just go forward. I've given you a word here. Yeah. You know, I've given you a promise. Fear not, stand still and see this. Well, now what, Lord? What? Just go forward. Act upon what I told you. Believe that it's going to come to pass. Well, could God ever, you know, just like the man who was, you know, uh, at the right hand of the king's hand when Samaria was shut up and Elijah came in and said, now tomorrow the economy is going to be different. Everybody's going to be blessed. And that's basically what he said, you know. And, 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 and this man said, well, if God opened up the windows of heaven, how could this ever be? See, the mind gets in the way. Somebody say, I want my soul back. We need to get our soul back so our mind doesn't get in the way of what God wants to do. And that was the word the Lord gave us this morning. You know, let me have my way. You know, every so often, I'm praying this a lot more to God. God, I love you so much, I want to help you out. <laughs> you know? And God says, I don't need your help. Amen. I love you too, son, but I don't need your help. Yeah. 
In fact, you know, if you help me out, you're going to mess it up a little bit. So back up a little bit. You know, just rejoice. Thank God. Can you imagine what the worship leaders thought when, you know, Jehoshaphat said, you know, hey, thus saith the Lord, put all your worship leaders out in front and sing, the, you know, uh, praise the Lord for his mercy uh, endures forever. Uh, Jehoshaphat, um, uh, we'll sing it, you know, but... Um, those guys out there, uh, you know, we'll sing it, but they got bow and arrows. They got shields. You know, um, you know, you think maybe we could have a few shields before us? You know, the mind getting in the way. But you know what? They didn't let their mind get in the way. They didn't let their reasoning. They just bowled up and said, you know what? We're going to be strong. We're going to be courageous. And they got out there, and the praise and worship leaders got out. The praise and worshipers got out in front of the battle, and they began to sing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Somebody try that. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. You know, if you want your soul back once in a while, you just need to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And you know what happened? I mean, like a pancake, those guys were just squashed. They were out of the way, and God did a miraculous deliverance. Why? Because they got out of their mind and got into the spirit. They began to praise God. They began to focus on the one who has the answer, not on the problem. Somebody say, I want my soul back. Tell your neighbor you're getting your soul back. <clears throat> and so, you know, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Well, part of getting your soul back, all right, everybody pull your, your feet underneath your chair because we're going to step on your toes here for just a moment. But part of getting your soul back is you wanting your soul back. Come on, somebody. Help me with this. You know, you got to want to have your soul back. You got to make a decision you're going to quit crying and whining about the situation and start pressing into God. Hello, somebody. All right, I'll stop stepping on your toes in just a minute. But, you know, here's the key. You have a will. That's part of getting your soul back. This is part of what we experienced this morning. Have your way, God. I want to do it your way. You know, we were praying this morning, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if I could, I used to be able to do this. I don't know if I can anymore, and I'm not even going to try. But if you told me to stand on my head in the middle of the church and your glory would show up, I'd do it. You know, and we know that would be foolish. But you know, God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. God can bring his glory in, in any way he wants to bring his glory in. I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and he was just going through a difficult time as a pastor. And his dad had turned the church over to him, and he was just praying and just, you know, basically beside himself. He didn't know what to do. I don't think he was praying more. He's probably more complaining is what he said. You know, and his dad came in and said, you know what? We got this uh, guy coming uh, through, and I want you to have him preach Sunday night. He said, sure, Dad, I will. Well, it wasn't just a guy. It was a 15-year-old boy. And the power of God hit that place. And he went and said to the young man, he said, I want you to come tomorrow. He said, well, I'm already booked. So he told his dad, he said, I want him to come tomorrow. He said, God told me to have him tomorrow. Well, that morrow, tomorrow went seven weeks revival and totally turned his church around. Amen. Amen. How many of you 15 today? 
I'm looking. I'm looking. You know, I don't care who God uses. Amen? You know, if he needs to bring in a talking donkey, done it once, you can do it again. Help me, somebody. I don't care how God wants to bring his glory in. I don't care how he wants revival in this city. I'm open to whatever God and however God wants to do it. Amen? Amen. And our mind gets in the way sometimes. Well, 15-year-old boy, how, how could that ever happen? Well, the Brownsville revival started with a girl who came up and just began to worship God. Wow. You know, God can do it any way he wants to do it. We always try to help God out, but our minds get in the way. We think God has to do it a certain way. Let's let go of God, our way of thinking, and, let God, and, and, and embrace God's way of thinking. God, your way, not my way. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And, and, and we got to have our souls restored and renewed so that we can be open so that God can do it any way he wants to do it. I mean, you know what? He can, he can have a pirate's chest of gold in your backyard. Well, how good that? There's no oceans around me, brother. I don't care how God can do it. I mean, you know, God can get you money if you need money. I'll never forget one time, you know, I, and, and I still pray this way a lot, but, you know, I say, Lord, you know, I just, I, I'm just so thankful that I have a wonderful wife, and I'm so blessed to have her in my life, and I just want to bless her today. I want to do something special for her. What, what, you know her better than I know her, and uh, what would, what, what does she, what would she need today? And, and I remember one day the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to take your wife out for dinner. I said, okay, I'll do that, but I didn't have any money. This is in the early days of our marriage, and, you know, we were, you know, so broke we could hardly pay attention unless our bills, but we got them paid. God met our needs. And so anyway, you know, I said, sure, sure, I'll take her out, you know. And all day long I heard in my spirit, take your wife out to dinner, take your wife out to dinner. I said, I will. I just don't know how. I don't have the money. He said, take your wife out to dinner. I said, I will. I don't have any money. And so when I got home, I went to the mailbox. You know, we just had started our traveling ministry, our evangelistic ministry. I said, well, maybe somebody, maybe a partner sent a check or something, you know, whatever, you know. Maybe maybe there's some money. In the mail. Maybe mom sent some money in. My mom would do that once in a while, you know. Nothing. So I didn't know what else to do. So I said, Lord, I'll, I'll be glad to do it. But I didn't know what else to do, so I did what I normally do. Sometimes that's what we need to do. Just do what we normally do. So, you know, the yard needed to be mowed, so put a little gas in the, you know, the lawnmower and went out and started mowing the yard, got to the front yard, and it was windy. I mean, it was really windy that day. You know, I'm mowing, and all of a sudden, here comes a $20 bill blowing into my front yard. So I grabbed that $20 bill, and I knew it was windy, and the first thought was somebody up the street opened their billfold, and it blew out, and they're looking for it. But I wouldn't look. I turned around and ran around the house. <laughs> And I thought, boy, that's not right. If that was me, so I, I boldly went out, and I looked around the house. Everything's safe. So I went to the yard. I looked uh, uh, over, over the next two yards. Everything was safe. So I went out in the street for my own conscience. There was nobody looking for a $20 bill. You know, the yard's half mowed. I got a $20 bill. I ring the doorbell. I'm in my front yard. I ring the doorbell. And my wife comes, I said, honey, I said, we're going to go out to dinner tonight. She laughed. You're so sweet. With what money? I said, this right here. 
She goes, where'd that come from? I said, it just blew down from heaven. I'm telling you. You know, God will meet the need any way he wants to meet the need. Amen. You know, he is a good God. But, you know, our souls get in the way. You know, I mean, I, I could have figured it out. You know, I mean, maybe I could have gone, put it on the credit card or whatever, you know. But, you know, that wasn't the direction I was supposed to go. I just was trying to get out of the way and let God. And God did a good job. He is faithful at meeting your needs. And you need to remember, you know what? It's our soul that stops God from really doing what he wants to do in our lives. And this is why it's so important that we stay in the word of God. So he restores. The word restore means to refresh. It means to repair. It means recompense or to give back to or to recover. And remember it says restores with an S back. That means that even though your soul is restored, even though you may be doing fine today, there may come a time in your life that you're going to have to let God touch your soul and touch your mind. The Passion Translation says it like this in Psalms 23.3, where he restores and revives my life, he opens before me a pathways, pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. That's why he wants to restore that's why he wants to do that. So what's in your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Romans 12, 1, 2 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove that which is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So what is Romans trying to tell us? Don't be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you don't have to be of the world. The world says, this is the way you do things. This is the way you do things. But what does God say? You know, we are so blessed here at this church. You know, Vicki and I were talking about when we first started. Those first two, three years that we first started, it was just amazing what God did. You know, we, we, we rented this old bar, and it stunk. Had dead animals in it, had beer coolers in it, and it stunk. You know, when I first talk, took my wife in it, I mean, no sooner we opened the door, she almost walked out. And we looked in there, and I said, oh, man, we can make something of this. She couldn't see it, but I could see it. And so we rented that old bar, you know, and uh, we got two months rent-free just to clean it up. And then we got six months at $400 a month. Where do you get a place to rent for $400 a month? This is 1997. You know, still, that was still an incredible favor of God. So we're renting this place, you know, and we get it all cleaned up, and we start our first church service September 14th, 1997. Isn't that correct? And how many people showed up? 19 people showed up. I'll tell you what, we thought we had a landslide. We were just so thankful for those 19 people. You know, one of them was my mom. Thank God for moms, amen. You know, some of them were some friends I knew you know, this area, but most of them, you know, people we never knew, they never came back. Boy, did we need soul restoration after that. But anyway, so, but no, we started, we started there, and we end up buying that place. And even the process of going to try to buy it, there was some wrong things that were done in the process of buying it that, you know, once we bought it, then they tried to, you know, make an attempt to take it back from us after we had put $60,000 into it and remodeled it and everything, you know. But God, say God. God. So we had this loan with this church who had owned it, 
And Vicky said, God told me that we need to now go to the bank and get the money from the bank and not finance it through the church. Well, why, Vicky? You know, everything's fine. You know, somebody's saying, I want my soul back. I certainly wanted my soul back. I needed my soul back then. You know, she's listening to God. But my reasoning, hello, somebody say reasoning. Reasoning got no way, you know. But you know what? Thank God for a godly wife. I said, you know what? Let's do this. So we went to the bank. We got a loan for the rest of what we owed on that particular property. And sure enough, when they came to talk to us about the financing of, of, of the church and how to finance the rest of it, they came back and they did a default on us. But we already had the money in the bank. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And see, if you, if you let your natural mind work, well, everything's good, you know, but you need to follow God. And sometimes your soul gets in the way. Your reasoning gets in the way. And this is why we need to have our minds renewed. How is our minds renewed? Well, the Bible says one way our minds renewed is through the renewing of your mind through the washing of the Word of God. Let the Word of God. You know, if you're struggling with something in the Word, you know, if you need healing, read healing scriptures. You know, if you need prosperity, read prosperity scriptures. If you need deliverance, read deliverance scriptures. You know, get onto the word. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out those who are really walking upright with him and read their Bible right. No, he delivers them from them. How many? All. That's you. You don't have to earn it. You just have to have your mind renewed to know that God wants this for your life. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And the other is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. That's what this morning was all about, coming to the altar. We don't do that every Sunday. But getting into the very presence of God, saying, God, I want all that you have for me. Oh, have your way in me, God. Have your way in me. And I'm here to tell you in the next couple of days, some people, you're going one direction, but God's going to drop something in your spirit and say, that's not the right direction. And he's going to turn you. And for some of you, it's going to be 180 degrees and bam, you're going to hit a blessing like you've never seen before. Amen. That's what's going to happen. Amen. I believe that. Because we're crying out, have your way in me. So renewing, it's a constant process. Okay, that's one of the things we need to know. And it goes on, it tells us this, that the renewing of our mind is a form of being transformed. And that's a form of metamorphosis. Now, anything that goes through metamorphosis has been born first. So when you got born again, there was a process of metamorphosis going on in the inside of you. God's changing you. The Bible says he's changing you from glory to glory. Whew, think about it. I mean, your soul's being so renewed, it's like, you know, you can't help but know that God's on your side. You can't help but you know God's going to come through. Your mind's being so renewed when something happens, you just laugh and go, it's going to be great to see how God's going to work this out. Right. It's going to be great to see how God pulls us through this one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Anytime you go through challenges or situations, you're just going to be begin to rejoice. Glory to God. God's got something for me. Because you know what? Challenges in life can do two things. They can be a stumbling block or a stepping stone to your next victory. I choose for them to be my stepping stone. That's what happened with Joseph. You know, Joseph had the coat of many colors. You know, I can just see him. I know if it were me, that's how I would do it around my brothers. Yep, mm-hmm. You know, I got the coat, you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pastor gave me a raise. I don't know if he gave you one, but he gave me a raise. 
Mm-hmm. I think he likes me better than the rest. Well, you are my favorite. I know I tell that to everybody, but it's true. You are my favorite. But you know what? That coat of many colors. Mm, there were some people like, oh, his brother's like, mm. and then he had a dream. Yeah, God's going God's to exalt me. I'm going to be president someday. <laughs> that coat's going to your head, Joseph. President. Who do you think you are? Well, I'll tell you what. You got all these dreams. We'll just, we'll just stop that. And so they threw him in a pit. You know the rest of the story. If you don't, read Genesis chapter 45, 44, 45. Read about Joseph. Threw him in a pit. Ishmaelites came by. They sold him to Ishmaelites as a slave. And he, began, he was bought by Potiphar. And Potiphar was in charge of the king's jail. Remember that now. So, you know, so here's Joseph. He's, and he's been bought as a slave. And he says, well, I'm going to make the best of it. Somebody say, I want my soul back. See, you can't make the best of something if you don't get your soul back. So he gave it all, his, all, all he had. He helped Mr. Potiphar. And eventually Mr. Potiphar said, you know what? I trust this guy. And I'm going to let him be in charge of everything. You know, basically all Joseph did was when Mr. Potiphar came home was, hey, we prospered here, here's a check. Hey, this is what happened in the fruit field, man. We made so much money, here's another check. You know, he let Joseph in charge of everything. And one day Miss Potiphar had another idea for Joseph. And Joseph did not consent to it. And it made her so mad. Oh, I'll show you, I'll just accuse you. Somebody say, I want my soul back. He was accused of something he didn't do. And then he got thrown in jail on top of it. But guess whose jail he got thrown into? Potiphar's. Most people don't realize that. But Potiphar was in charge of the jail at the time. And sure enough, he went through some things for, you know, some accusation. But you know what? Mr. Potiphar began to recognize the favor of God on his life. And he put him in charge of all the jail. He knew he could trust Joseph. And then, you know, the baker and the butler, they had a dream. Joseph interpreted, the dream came to pass, and they forgot about Joseph. You know, it doesn't seem like things are going very well for Joseph at this time, does it? Somebody say, I want my soul back. Because you've got to have your soul back to know that regardless of what you're going through, God has your miracle in motion. Amen. Even though it doesn't look like it, even though you know you're hanging out with Mr. Potiphar, even though you don't have your freedom right now, God's miracle is in motion. You got to have your soul renewed to be able to receive that. And one day, you know, the, the, the Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph came interpreting the dream, and lo and behold, second in charge. And there was famine, just as he, you know, the Pharaoh dream, and Joseph's in charge, and here comes his brothers, and they're bowing down to him, just like the dream. But Joseph's a little wiser this time. He's not walking around going, look at me. He's concealing his identity for a while. But go with me to Genesis chapter 45. Look at what Joseph said. Joseph went through a metamorphosis. This is what Joseph said. Genesis 45, I think it's about verse 6. So now, it was not you who sent me here. This is somebody who had their soul renewed. It's not you that persecuted me. 
It's not you that falsely accused me. It's not you that put me in this situation. Hmm? But God, look at this. I mean, he is the president. He has made me the father to the Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all of the land of Egypt. And Joseph basically said, what you meant for harm was God's plan. God had to get me here. Come on, somebody. So you've got to have your soul renewed to see that what you're going through is a stepping stone to where God has for you next. And it wasn't until then that God's plan for all of Israel became, came together. When Joseph said, yeah, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Don't, and this is the other thing Joseph did, don't feel condemned. <clears throat> if you really want your soul back, then other people don't feel condemned for the wrong they did to you. When your soul is restored, other people don't feel condemned for the wrong they've done to you. That's worth saying one more time. When your soul is restored, others don't feel condemned for the wrong they've done to you. Well, how do we get to that place? Well, it's called forgiveness. We have to forgive. I'm so glad you brought that up. Go with me to uh, Matthew chapter 18. We're going to learn a little bit about getting our souls back through the act of forgiveness. Matthew 18. Look at this. So Peter, he, he's struggling here, okay? He's having a hard time you know, letting go of some things. And he says here in verse 21, Matthew 18, uh, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? He's struggling here, obviously. You know, he wants, to, he wants a number on it. You know, because, you know, Peter still has that, you know, I'm going to do it my own strength. I want to retaliate. So how do you know that? Because he cut off the ear of the, uh, a high priest's servant. He was in his own strength. Wasn't he when he did that? And so Peter, he 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 he's 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 not quite yielded to God's way here. And Jesus said, "I do not say up to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. In other words, he was looking at his books, and he realized that some people that he had helped start businesses and other things in the kingdom owed him some money." And when he had begun settling an account, what was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents? Now, the Amplified Bible, when that was written in 1967, 68, says that's about $10 million. I don't know what $10 million of, in 1968 is worth today, but it's a lot more than $10 million. He wasn't able to pay about $10 million. There was a debt he hadn't paid. But he's, he wasn't able to pay it. And his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children all that he had and that payment be made. The servant there fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. You don't owe it to me anymore. It's wiped out. It's clean. You don't owe this to me anymore. There's not a debt anymore. But that servant went out and found some, one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Well, again, the Amplified Bible says about $20. Let's say $100. You know, owe him $100. And he laid hold of him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. This, pro this guy's got a problem, doesn't he? He's got resentment in his heart. 
he has retained something in his life. You still owe me 100 bucks. You still owe me 100 bucks. You just got forgiven $10 million. What's $100? I mean, dude, get over it. You know, rejoice. Pass a blessing on to somebody else. So his fellow servant uh, fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you all. And he would not. Why? Because his soul was damaged. He was in his own strength. But went through him in prison until he should pay the debt. And so when his fellow servants saw all they had, they found the gossip of the church and told that person everything that happened. Is that what it says? No, they put it on Facebook. <laughs> Isn't it something when somebody has ill feelings that they a lot of times want to try to find somebody else to share their ill feelings with? And usually when you do some discovery, you'll find out that their ill feelings uh, aren't warranted in the first place. There was a misunderstanding there, a lack of communication or whatever, or made up, you know, something there, you know. So, you know, it's, it's, it's important that you guard your hearts from other people's ill feelings. That was a really good point, Pastor. Thank you so much. I needed that. That was worth coming to church for. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master. Nobody else but the master. This is in pipe and shadow. When you see this happen, take it to God. Take it to God, all that had been done. And the master called him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servants just as I had pity on you? He was angry with them, turned them over to the torturers, and, uh, and it goes on and said, So shall my heavenly Father do to each of you from his heart who does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And this is what happens so many times is that when people don't let go of things that have happened in the past or betrayals, disappointments, setbacks that other people have caused in your life, they're tormented. They can't sleep. They're trying to figure out how they can get even. Why get even with somebody who did something ugly to you when you can get ahead? You know, when you get even with someone who's done something ugly with you, that makes you ugly. Oh, I should have said that a little more diplomatically, shouldn't have I? When you get even with someone who has done something ill to you, then that's what you are. You're just like them. Why be like them when you can get ahead? Why let their opinion of you hold you back? Well, I'm preaching good this morning. Amen. Somebody say, I'm getting my soul back. And this is the key to getting your soul back, and that is to forgive. Well, I'm going to teach you a little bit about forgiveness before we move on. Go with me to John 20. John 20. Verse 21. So Jesus reappeared to the disciples here, and so Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. All right, so hold your finger there. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And remember what he just said. As my Father sent me, so I'm sending you. All right? First Peter chapter 2, verse 20. 
Uh, well, let's just start with verse 18. Servants. Let's use word employees there. Okay, how many of you have a boss? I do. I live with her. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. And some people are just abrasive, you know, bless their hearts. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures griefs, uh, suffering wrongfully, for what credit is it of you when you're beaten for your faults or you're corrected for the things that you do wrong? You take it patiently. But when you do good and you suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Vicki did an excellent job this last Thursday. If you don't, hadn't heard it, get on the app, listen to her message on, we have to be people who endure persecution. It's, it's going to come. You know, I, I'll give you one tidbit, then this will change your life. People will criticize you for only two reasons. They'll criticize you for being a failure or they'll criticize you for being a success. Those are the only two reasons. You know, yesterday I was helping the Boy Scouts, and it was uh, uh, we were giving them their aviation badge. And so I was flying these Boy Scouts around, you know, uh, and uh, these scouts around and and uh, it was windy. I mean, there was wind shears all around. You know, it was crazy, you know. And so it was a little bumpy. So I, I warned them a little bit, you know. And so anyway, get up, and we're bouncing around and everything. And I'm telling you, the wind shears coming in for landing, it was crazy, you know. If, it, if I hadn't made a commitment, I wouldn't have been flying. But it was crazy. And so, you know, I was swung over to the left, and then I'd line back up, then swung over to the right, and then line back up, and then I would land with a crosswind. <clears throat> and that, that's just really kind of challenging in a small little plane, you know. But both my landings were pretty decent, you know, a little rough in crosswinds, but a little rough, you know. And then I had this one perfect landing. I'm telling you, you can even know I landed. But my last trip, the winds changed right as I was approaching. So I had to change all my maneuvers, get ready, land the wheel down on one side, and then drop the other wheel down. And that's always bumpy, but that's the way you land these things. And so I did. And one of the scouts says, that was bumpy. I said, that was my second best landing of the day. <laughs> There's always a critic, isn't there? <laughs> anyway, and I began to explain to them about landings and hard landings and, you know, and what really is a good landing and things like that. There's always a critic in the bunch, you know. And I thought, you know, you ought to just get on the ground and kiss and thank God <laughs> with the kind of weather we were flying in. But I got you down safe. Come on, somebody, you know? All right. So this is commendable for, for, for what credit. So people are going to criticize you for two reasons, you know? Whether you do a good job, bad job, it doesn't matter. You know, there are critical people in the world. Tell your neighbor, I hate to break it to you, but there are critical people in the world. And how you deal with it will determine your success. Somebody say, I want my soul back. <clears throat> For what credit is you when you're beaten for your faults? Take it patiently. Verse 21. For to you, for to this you were called. 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 God created you this way. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Even as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Even as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Even as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Come on, somebody help me with this. Even as my Father sent me, I'm sending you. 
who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, even when, as my father sent me, I'm sending you. When he was reviled, he, he did not revile in return. Even as my father sent me, I'm sending you. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Even as my father sent me, I'm sending you. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus said, Lord, I'm vulnerable. I'm in your hands. And God said, well, they're going to kill you, son, but I got good news for you. I'm going to raise you up. I'm here to tell you that God is a resurrection God. No matter what you're going through, God will still raise you up. God has not aborted his plan for your life. But, you know, when we go through things, we think it's all over. It'll never happen again. Somebody say, I want my soul back. God wants your soul so restored that you know that God's going to take you to the next level. I believe with all my heart, destiny is going to get a better car. I believe that. Why? Because he repays all, the Bible says. And it goes on and says this. Who bored our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for, for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Now look at this. For you were sheep, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your Somebody say, I want my soul back. See, he's overseeing your soul if you let him. He wants to restore your soul if you let him. He wants the very best for you if you let him. Back to John 20. Peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. This word peace means exemption from rage or havoc going on in your life. Jesus said in John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. He didn't say, oh, I'm praying. I got my faith out there for you. No, he said, you have the responsibility not to let your hearts be troubled. But you don't know what I've been through. You're right. And don't bore me with the details. And I don't mean that in a negative way or a condemning way. I know you've been through some hard things. I know you've been through some difficult things. But I'm just a man and I can't fix that. But he is God. And he wants to heal your soul. Somebody say, I want my soul back. He's restoring our souls. And so he went on to say, and he said this. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive what? See, it takes the power of God to do this work of restoration. I believe in the renewing of your mind through the Word, and I believe the Word's so powerful it will renew your mind. But sometimes it also takes coming down to this altar and saying, your way, God. Your way, God, not mine. Have your way in me, God. And God's saying, I want to have my way in you. If you'll get out of the way, if you'll let some of these carnal things that happen to you, I'm sorry they happened to you. I didn't want them to happen to you. But if you'll let them go, I can do some great things in you. Somebody say, I want my soul back. Tell your neighbor, I'm getting my soul back. And then he went in and say, if you he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The King James says remit. That word remit means to leave it alone. Forsake it. 
You know, you ought to forsake it like you would forsake a rattlesnake. Anybody have pet rattlesnakes around here? Very few people have, you know, pets that could hurt them. You know, most of us like pets that like to get in our laps and lick us and wag their tail when we come home and they're glad to see us, you know, but not one that bites us and could kill us, you know. So, I mean, it, you, you, you need to forsake it. You need to totally not give thought to it anymore. That's what the renewing of the mind does. And it does that by thinking on those things which are pure, lovely, good, honest. That's how we get to that place. So, it says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain... Now, this is the area that we really need to get an understanding of. Retain means to take hold of, to lay hands on one in order to get him into your power. See, when a person retains someone else's sin, they feel empowered over you. They feel empowered over you. But what they don't realize is that they're being empowered by the enemy. God has not called any of us to control anyone else. And people who harbor unforgiveness in their hearts and they know that they're un harboring unforgiveness and they don't want to let it go, it's a power trip for them. It's a form of control for them. Well, you don't, uh, they hurt me. They hurt me on purpose. Well, forgive them on purpose. Let it go. You can't always control them wanting to have authority over you or empowered over you, but you can decide if you're going to let it have power over you. People make mistakes. Sometimes people say things. Sometimes, you know, for the best intentions, things don't go right. And usually that person's already got a spirit of offense because they see it wrong anyway. You know, I, I can't think of anyone that I've ever purposely hurt at all in my life since I've been living for the Lord. Not on purpose. You know, and I've been very transparent with you. There's times I wanted to hurt some people. I'll never forget one time I was so angry at this situation, and I just told the Lord, I said, I'm done. They don't think I'm a man of God, so I'm going to prove to them I'm not a man of God. And I saw myself, you know, dealing with this person physically. And the Lord said, they're already hurt. You're not going to do anything to make it better. That's why they did what they did. Somebody say, I want my soul back. God opening up our eyes to have compassion on those who have hurt us or hurt others. And so when someone retains a sin, they take ownership. That's called a victim mentality. Somebody say, I want my soul back. You got to let go of that victim mentality. Let it go so that God can work in your life and do great things for you. Because, see, when you take ownership of that, what you're doing is you're letting that person still have control over you. And you're not allowing God to do greater things in your life. Somebody say, I want my soul back. You know what? I'm getting my soul back. And so the key is to forgive others. Well, how do we forgive? Well, the Bible says that, you know, we forgive. Whosoever sins we forgive, they're forgiven. 
And Jesus said, you know, if you have to forgive that person 70 times 7. So, you know, for most of us, we don't go to a person, you know, 490 times and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. But you know what? I really believe that when these thoughts come to try to bog our souls down, we just need to say, oh, I forgave them. We don't need to think it. Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain of unforgiveness, resentment, hurt, disappointments, be removed and cast in the sea, shall not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you have, you shall have whatever you say. And when you pray, forgive. And so the greatest mountain for most of us is that area in our souls that we need to forget. And that's why he said, have faith in God, for whosoever shall say. And then Jesus said, Seven times 70. If you need to say it 490 times, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I'm here to tell you you're going to have a breakthrough. I'm here to tell you that you're going to get to a place that you don't even remember. And I'm here to testify there are things that happened in my life that I don't even remember anymore. Once in a while, God will bring it up as a testimony, and that's about it. But does it bother me? Does it, does it affect me? Heavens, no. It doesn't bother me at all. You know why? Because his words renewing my mind... And his Holy Spirit is regenerating my soul. Somebody say, I want my soul back. Amen. So receive your forgiveness is the next thing. Not only forgive other people, but forgive yourself. We all have some regrets in our lives. But the Word of God says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the next step of getting our soul renewed, is receiving that righteousness. Now, if you have never done anything wrong in your entire life, ever, 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 you did everything right, and everybody knew you did everything right, and God knew you did everything right, do you feel justified to go to God and ask him for things? Well, yeah, man, I mean, you know, I, I'm in right stand with God. I mean, I've, I've walked up right, and everything's good. You should have that attitude right now because he made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you can have that attitude. I'm in right standing with God. And if I'm in right standing with God, I can ask him anything I want according to his will. He hears us. If he hears me, then he's doing it. Amen? What have you been asking for? Why hasn't it come? Well, could it be that you need your soul back? Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.